Hello, welcome to Back to the Point. The podcast is back and resurrected for a new season, I guess. My name is Migs, and uh, I'm joined by my good friend, Ian. Hello, hello. And uh, same hosts, same sort of deal. It's just been a long time. We've uh, been through the pandemic, still in the pandemic, but we're back to talk hockey after, uh, what is it, like two half seasons? I don't know. It felt like a lifetime between hockey seasons because we didn't even get to join the return to play. And then, yeah, it was a long time. And I, it was January, so there's a, a sliver of that season left. And now we're, what, 15, 15, 16 games into this season? Yeah. And, I mean, for my own personal, like, recreational hockey, like, it shut down at the same time uh, around the – it was about to pick up, like, right when the uh, the NHL shut down. And it was just like – you know, they shut down too. So it's like, I, not only was I not getting NHL hockey, I wasn't getting like, at, like personal, like workout yeah. hockey. And it was just like devoid of hockey for a long time, which honestly was nice for a little bit. Yeah. It's been a long time. I don't think I've been on an ice rink and well, yeah, time is so distorted because it's been 10 plus months since yeah. March when it, everything started with the pandemic, but, but everyone knows. I don't even know how much long before that I was last playing hockey. Cause I think I'd taken a bit of a hiatus even before then. Yeah. But we all know. So we're, we're very going inexperienced. Through, so. <laughs> I was just, yeah, it sucks. But you know, I mean, it's, I'm not as excited this year as, as I have been in the past. Cause our, the sharks aren't very good. <laughs> but I'm definitely glad hockey's back, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Sharks hockey is fun to watch regardless. Um I've got two kids now. I had a baby during the yeah, pandemic. Exciting. <laughs> Four months old now, and it's yeah, it's by, he was huh? born like felt like it felt like by the time the pandemic should have been over when we all thought how long it was going to take in March, that's when he was born and it's still going on and he's already four months and time has flown by. So uh, not having a ton of stressful hockey is okay. If they happen to win a game, that's great. Go team. (laughs) (laughs) So So you're not banking on it. You're not banking banking on on it, but I like to see, I can see how things have been different from, I think, last season, you know, going into it. We, you know, weren't sure how things were going to end up. And then it became pretty clear that it was going to be a tank without a pick. Not a purposeful mm-hmm. tank, but then it ended up going pretty poorly. Um, this year we have a pick. So there is a uh, silver lining at the end. If we do play poorly, we will get a good player, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. But also... Maybe this can kind of kickstart the first thing, but the same prospects, pretty much, there's some new faces um, that, uh, you know, last year, there was so many holes, and Doug Wilson's like, they're all going to step up, and then literally no one did. Um, uh, A few of those same people have kind of hit their stride and some new faces, but there are young players, night in, night out, who uh, are deserving of NHL spots and maybe some that are and aren't even getting playing time, but at the very least, that is great. 
So who are you pleased with uh, seeing in terms of the prospects and the young players get getting more ice time regularly? Um, a few people. I mean, I'm not the end all. I'd like to hear what you have too. Um, I'm going to make sure I don't lose anyone. I'm going to pull up. Um, well, yeah, I guess off the top first? of my head. I have a couple. Yeah, but I want so, to not miss any, so I'm going to look them up. One of the names that stands out to me a lot is like Dylan Gambrell because it seems like he's he's been around or, mm-hmm. you know, his name has been bandied about for even before last season because he had such a yeah. good end to his college career. And, you know, I have mixed feelings about him. I mean, he scored that goal in the last playoff game that we had back in 2019, and he kind of had a bit of a drop-off last year. And it's funny, I was looking the other day and – at some article, maybe it was a San Jose Hockey Now article, which is also a new thing in the last year. Yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> Peng's uh, project. His own thing. Go him. Boo Athletic, yeah. go him. Better content. <laughs> but uh, they were saying specifically, I think one of the teammates was quoted as saying, like, how Gambrell really wanted to work on his putt control. And I was like, wow, that's the main thing that I've seen with him. Like, he he's not really the fastest and you could kind of tell he has flares for dangling, but he can't quite do it at this level of hockey. Um, and I, that's probably been my biggest qualm. Like you can't, and, and really across the board with a lot of the young players that are filling out those bottom lines, their putt control and, 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 and being able to like play along the boards and not just let plays die after like a first chance in the offensive zone, or they're trying to forecheck or they're trying to like rim it around and then they just like turn it over. Um, so that's something I've seen with him. So it was interesting that he as a player identified that as a weakness and something you want to work on. I think now that he's had more consistent games, he's gotten a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I think we could also say that maybe about, about some other players like, um, who's a really fast, fast guy, uh, Gregor. And, um, there've been a couple other guys cycled out. It looks like Balsers since we picked him up on waivers has, has been getting a chance and he had a two goal game. He, he's interesting. I mean, we, we traded Mm -hmm. him away for Carlson, got him back free, which is sweet. Um, Fifth round pick was a point scorer for sure. Late bloomer, I think as an overager was scoring a lot in minor. He's a big guy. I don't think I really noticed that the first time around, but he's like, he's like a big guy. And, uh, hmm. you know, he hasn't been around with the team as long. He's only played six games. But um, the last game, so we're recording this on Monday the 22nd, and they just finished playing against, I believe it was the Blues, um, the hmm. last game. And uh, he was on the line with Timo and Hurdle. And it was like the big bodied European player line. And they just seemed to gel well. And Balser's got two goals. And mm-hmm. that seems like, I feel like he, he, he just seemed really natural in that one. He has not, he had not been getting a lot of playing time um, on the games before. Like, I don't know why, whatever he is just kind of, he didn't have the training camp, all that. So like, maybe there's that why he's slowly integrating and, getting processes down and stuff because he's not a vet so he's still learning the nhl to a degree as well he he, yeah he was getting he was not getting much time at all um but then last game he actually got a decent look and he got rewarded with points so that was fun to see him going up too i like that Mm -hmm. one and also i think 
uh, when we're talking about the young players, we have to talk about John Leonard too, which was mm-hmm. the most more recent college pickup. And obviously he scored his first NHL goal, I believe against Anaheim last week. So, you know, that was very exciting. He was very pumped up and uh, you know, he's had flashes of, you know, Oh, he looks good. He's like taking some shots and everything is then he's also had stretches where, Oh, you know, you could see those rookie mistakes, but I think, this season more than we've ever seen really in the last few years is, and I still feel like Bob Bugner is kind of resistant to this, but he's kind of like forced into doing this because of the lack of depth. Like young players are actually getting the chance to play some substantial time in the NHL. Right. So they're going to have that time to work out kinks and everything. Like I said, I think the coach is still, you know, along that Peter DeBoer vein, a little bit resistant to it. But, yeah. you know, by force of just the situation, they they are getting that opportunity. Like Leonard. And it, it's a little bit annoying that it's like in, on one in hand, one game you say like other, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other hand, you could say like well, other young players are getting to cycle in. But it's like just kind of go with something for a while. Or yeah. it's interesting Sorensen finally got benched. Yeah, finally. <laughs> And, yeah. and it's, it's interesting with Sorensen. He was play, he was playing earlier than everyone else. He was playing over in Sweden because mm-hmm. their season's and doing well to start. Yeah, I mean that's not as good. And he's a he is able to maintain his ability in the NHL, and that is the best league in the world. So any other league, he'd be a great player, and he was. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. It is a little annoying how some players are given a leash and some players are given no leash, but you know, Bugner definitely has to like, and even because of this COVID season and there's the taxi squad. So they literally can only pull up like four different people and they have to like explicitly make trades and then go through quarantine and stuff like, and the season shorter, like they're not, they just simply don't have the ability to like go pick up a vet or something like that or pull in an AHL like big body, you know, unfortunately may not have a high NHL upside, but just like knows how to play and has a really like a veteran, a, a really high floor, extremely low season uh, ceiling. They can't do yeah. that. So they do have to give the young players um, some chance to grow and there is about a handful of them and thankful that there's like four or five, like I've listed uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I'll say five and a half. Can you lay, lay that up out for us? Yeah. We've already talked about Balsers. It's only six games in, so he's, he's doing okay. He scored two. So that's great. Right. But jury's still out on him. Um, You mentioned Gambrell. I think the biggest thing that he needed to work on was his base. His skating is good. His speed is good. His acceleration is good. Um, but yeah, his uh, using his and he's not short either. Um, but he he wasn't using his uh, body positioning well, and he was on the outside of plays a lot. And this is what you were saying too. Like he'd make a play, but then he'd kind of just stay on the outside, waiting for it to come to him. It's not how you need to play in the NHL at his level. Mm-hmm. He needs to learn how the plays develop and be in there making the plays happen and being along the boards and jostling. Um, and he worked on that and it, you know, he didn't start out very good and it looked like it was going to be like the previous seasons and he's turned the corner and it's actually great. So very mm-hmm. happy for Gambrell. Gregor, 
He is a speedster. He's a little bit nasty. He throws, he finishes his checks all the time and he's got a wicked shot. Gambrell also has, uh, I think he has a good shot. It's not particularly great. Um, But Gregor has a great shot. Leonard has a fantastic shot. Uh, Deceptive too. He beat, um, when he scored his first goal, he beat, uh, was it Gibson? Gibson. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think so. It was Gibson or Miller. Anyways, a legit Miller was playing goal. when I, yeah, earlier. He beat him with like a really deceptive shot that uh, went straight in. And it was on the power play. So there was, you know, advantage of being able to take, a, take advantage of getting the goalie moving around instead of just like having a fully set. But uh, it came off his puck really quick. It came off his stick really quick. And it was a fantastic shot. Top scorer in college the last year he was there, Donato also has a wicked shot, a really good shot. Not only does he have a hard shot, it's super creative. He's gone like first in all 100 shootouts we've had this season. Um, yeah, really good in the shootout. Balsers has a great shot too. Blickfield, he hasn't been getting games, but he's got a good shot. It looks, um, it's really interesting. It seems like they've really focused on shooting talent, which is fun. That's fun to watch. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. I think there's one player that we can agree on the back end that we both really like uh, as a young player, and that's Nikolai Knisov, or however you say his name, right? He's just been like really, really stable defenseman, like good size. He's tough. He's got good decision making. He's Uh, able to make those, you know, long first passes a bit. He's he's got, you know, pretty good sense in the offensive zone. He's just been a, like a really, I've been really pleased with Pleasant surprise. him as a pickup or, I, you know, I wasn't really aware of where he came from. I can't remember if he was a draft pick or picked up a, in the European league or something like that. But regardless, he's been very, a very pleasant surprise. I'm not sure a surprise, but he's been the prospect that stands out the most to me. That's this season. Yeah, he's, I don't think many people, like he was good. But I don't think he uh, – I don't think people penciled him in as, mm. um, like – Watch this player, right? Yeah. I mean, people are aware, but I think it's been a pleasant surprise of how um, he's really kind of come into it. Just yeah. kind of – not uh, not on the main radar. He came here from, uh, I believe, the MHL, which is the Russian um, minor league, or the much the Russian the league the Russian equivalent of the AHL here. So the one below the oh, KHL. Wow. Okay. So yeah, he came. He's playing for Saint Petersburg. There, he got some games with big club. And uh, yeah. But he was playing on the, the the MHL, and he came over and he did well, and that makes sense. He was playing against you know men instead of uh, you know boys, like in the um, you know major junior in Canada. And you can tell, and just a, what a pleasant surprise! He's shifty on his feet. He moves the puck well. Good he, skater. Great yeah. skater. He even has deception in his skating too. Like he's starting to pick up. Some of the things Carlson does, like just waiting, a head fake, 
you know, wait for the four checker to go by, uh, do a do a head fake, uh, a quick feet shift. It's so fun watching him, and he's young, mm-hmm. and so he's he's just an absolutely present pleasant surprise. Probably makes it harder for Merkley to have an impact on this roster, given how short leash Bugner is for some people. Having another young talent come in, like Knajov, Nijov, I don't quite know how you say it. There's Ferraro, too, who's suddenly, I guess, a top four defenseman, <laughs> you know? Um, and then Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic, that's five spots filled up. There's one spot left, and, you know, I could very much see, whether or not I agree with it, I could very much see Bugner not giving that to Merkley next year as Merkley gets a season in the AHL. So, yeah, because Nijov, I don't know how good he is defensively, but he doesn't, he's not making glaring mistakes all the time. And I think his ice time is increasing as the games have gone on. But, you know, what a pleasant surprise. Definitely. Like he, uh, he makes good decisions too, from what Mm -hmm. I've seen. Uh, no, like, major glaring errors I can remember. And then, obviously, you know, I guess we can transition to talking to, uh, you know, talking about another topic, but w- we recently discovered that Carlson got injured somehow in the Anaheim game, and he's out. And that's reminded us of the heavy scrutiny he's under by the Sharks fan base, as always. Like, you mentioned this earlier, like, right, rightly or wrongly so. Um, definitely under heavy scrutiny because he's paid, you know, more than any other defenseman in the league. And um, it's, and it's true. He's not producing numbers wise. I mean, we talked about some of the advanced stats earlier and you can go into that a bit, but it's the sort of thing from my perspective where I definitely see he's not producing, but from his like athletic ability and aptitude, you can see that something's different, you know, at least prior to this injury than that, you know, majority of the season when we first got him, when he was dealing with that long-standing groin injury, and he eventually needed surgery after the playoffs. So you could tell his speed was a lot better and everything. Um, I, I personally think, yeah, he's having some issues, but it's hard for me to separate that from the issues that the team has had as a whole and their system and just like, just not being very good. <laughs> Um, I think it's hard. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just, it's true. It's like, um, it's just hard for the good players to have like a really great season. If the team is not functioning well, it's not very good as a whole. And especially when you have those quarterback defensemen like Burns and Carlson, like that so much hinges upon their play. Usually, uh, you know, their play is going to suffer a little bit. And I'm not trying to make a complete excuse for Carlson. Like, I think he can be better. Um, But it's not like I'm seeing, like, what's that? He most certainly can be better. Oh, certainly. But I'm saying it's not like I'm looking at the way he's playing and be like, man, he's just like garbage out there. (laughs) I just can't. I just can't say that. Like, he's still Eric Carlson and everything. It's like, it's like, it's, it's more like he's that flower in that pod that just like, hasn't bloomed yet it's like and we're getting disappointed because he only blooms like 
once a year. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> that's like that. And and he should be roasted for that. He has been in the league for a long time. Like he came in as a I think an 18-year-old. He made it to the league. And he's what? 28, 29, 30 now? Like he Yeah, hit it around 30. 10 he's been playing in the league for 10 seasons. He is not he doesn't need to be a flower that blooms every once in a while. If he should be there, he should be making less than half of what he makes. He, yeah. He's too old for this. <laughs> you know, cue the line from Die Hard. Like, <laughs> this is he, – he should not have to every season we need to wait for, like, a month in before he warms up. No. He needs to be the best player from day one. Yes, everyone has a bad game every once in a while, and that's okay. But if it takes you a quarter of the season to get into form, you need to change what you're doing. And that's where it's been for the past couple of seasons for him. And that's frankly, you know, not good enough. I do see how he plays and the creativity he brings is insane. And there's a lot of criticism about doing too much, but also like the entire bottom two lines and even a spot or two in the top six are people new to the NHL, you know, save for like Marlowe down there, maybe one other, but almost all the forwards on the team are new to the NHL and learning. And the defensemen can only do so much by themselves. They need to be the, they need to be able to trust and rely on the system in place, which is, um, you know, frustrating because then he gets handicapped, handicapped, handy, handcuffed <laughs> on it and you know what what can he do if no one's open for a pass like well then he has to carry it in and or make it more dangerous pass and if he can't rely on those four checkers to do the system as it's designed like you know it, it handicaps what he has to do and is it right for him to allow them to continue to be you know, should he, when does, when is it his responsibility to, why does, why does he have to constantly cover for their mistakes? And when is it their fault to own up to? And these are deep, deep hockey questions. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like if Carlson, like, yes, he should be able to be more aware, but if he's uh, the scapegoat for them and asking to cover for all their mistakes every single time. Why did you buy Eric Carlson? Mm-hmm. You know, you bought Eric Carlson for his creativity and his offensive prowess. And you very well knew his defensive um, abilities. And so why did you mm-hmm. ex- like, so he shouldn't be asked to cover extreme on all of these plays while other people are out of position. And even if they're not like, then that's just normal. But for me, it's just like, okay, well, Carlson's in his spot doing what he's supposed to be doing. And all the forwards around him, a lot of times, not all the time, because Carlson has blame here. They're not doing what they should be doing either. They're still learning. They're not going as hard in the plays. They're not in the right position. They're not finishing their checks. They're not holding along the boards. Stuff like that. But should that mean Carlson can't do what he's been asked to do and been given – the okay to do by the contract and by him being on the team. You know, it's just like, there's, there's a lot of interrelated questions and it's frustrating when people take like really reductive and basic 
positions like it's always Carlson's fault which by the way maybe you can talk more about this is not helped by the way Brad Hedekin talks about Carlson clearly there's a philosophical difference between how they play the game and every single every single goal Carlson could literally be like on the bench breathing and he'll be like Carlson right there needs to be and then he goes to the replay it's like oh it wasn't Carlson oh but his first his first instinct is to always blame Carlson, and you know that go- yeah. that gets through to the fans. Timo Timo's been a second close lately too. Yeah, except for Timo's. <laughs> Those like... are his two most favorite players to criticize. I mean, you know, I get the sort of thing where it's like they're two of the best players on the team. He holds them to high standards, and they're both truly underperforming. But you're right; it's like it's feeding this narrative that's already existed because of the circumstances of his contract and the high expectations that people had of him already. But I absolutely agree. I mean, there's there's just those other factors of newness, youngness of player, youngness of players, um, and the fact that we're just not very good. And yeah. it's hard to just relate. What are these factors are playing into like limiting what he can really do and him taking on responsibilities that he normally wouldn't have had, you know, back two, three years ago when he first came in and he, we had like that solid team with Pavelski still on it and like a more well-rounded out roster. And, you know, he did have that stretch where he was like sort of healthy and like got in their groove. So um, it's just, it's, it's weird because the team has been on a decline these last two years. Right. And like his performance hasn't been up to par, but like the interplay of, the team dynamic as a whole and their poor performance and their poor ability and poor personnel with just like everything that's gone on with him. It's been kind of like a bad combination, I think. Totally. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like what's frustrating too is like, Oh, but he's outscored more than he, you know, puts up. It's like, okay, huge, huge, um, point in favor of the Carlson needing to be better argument is the amount of points he's put up since San Jose, since he's been in San Jose, mm-hmm. not good enough, not good enough. Mm-hmm. He's been injured for a lot of it, but simply it's not good enough outside of that one stretch, the magical season a couple of years ago where he was clearly the best player in the league. And it was amazing to watch for like two months, for like yeah. two <laughs> months. Yeah. Best defensive, the de- best defenseman in the league. But like since then, like the sharks are, are bad guys. Girls, <laughs> everyone, we we are bad. We just gotta get we used to saying that. We're a bad team, and it's okay. <laughs> we're not atrocious, but we're not. We're like below average bad, not like bottom of the barrel. We're not a an Ottawa, not a Detroit, but we're like very clearly an easy to pencil in bad team. We're not like oh, you know, no, we're bad. And so when we're there you're bad, with like L.A. and Anaheim, yeah, which is like the not, not good, good club. <laughs> and like yeah. when. When you're a bad team, that means you lose more games. And when you lose games, that means the opponent outscores you at least by one. Therefore, (laughs) if you were on the ice for all 60 minutes of the game, you would continuously get a lower plus minus or have more shots against you when you're on the ice. Stuff like that. So now if you reduce that and say, well, he's not on the ice for all 60 minutes, but he's on the ice for the majority of the game compared to other players... He's on the ice for there's game logs where he's played 32 minutes, 30 minutes, 28 minutes, 27 minutes. He's getting a ton of ice time. Just by the nature of us being a bad team and losing games because we're not good, like he the people who play more 
unless they're extremely good, will have bad counting stats. That's mm-hmm. just what it is. Like, you know, it's just a function he, of it. He's also been on the penalty kill at 10, and we've given up a ton of power plays. And we've gotten we've been on zero. the penalty kill like so much this season <laughs> and gotten zero power plays. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, the season's not looking good. What is great, and it has been fun to watch, is having seen some NHL prospects seems like they're panning out to a degree, at least to show yeah. that they are capable in the league. They're not really producing a whole lot. Outside of Donato, what a fantastic pickup. However, if that means we had to get do, acquired Dudnik to do it, uh, you know, not great. But Dell wasn't great either, so... It's kind of a wash there. I don't know. I, I kind of read that you're you're not super into Dubnik, but I think he's been... I am I not super been, into Dubnik. All right. Explicitly stating. Huh? I'm explicitly stating I'm not into Dubnik. He's had a yeah, game or two. No, I, you know, maybe it's that sort of thing, that initial on, impression. It's not gone well for him. Maybe it's that initial impression sort of thing where he seems, like, very aggressive, but... And I would I would agree with, like, Brett Hedekin and Randy Hahn, the kind of those comment the sharks commentators where they say like the games he was in and lost like he didn't quite like deserve those losses like he still played well and i would i would agree with that i think we need a bigger sample size but i don't think i think he's definitely been better than some of the other backups we've had in the last couple seasons mainly dell i mean so granted dell had like some one-off good games every once in a while yeah Um, i mean the variability in the goalie position is really high we're not a good goalie tandem away from like being a Maybe we're off from a playoff team, but like we're not going to get anywhere in the playoffs. Like there is an entire two and a bit lines of NHL legit NHL talent missing from our roster. Right? We have people who yeah. are not getting embarrassed and they're learning, but they're not scoring really. They're really not scoring a whole lot. So, you know, it's not like, and if you know, we need to sort out our goalie situation. Jones seems like he's getting a bit better. But yeah, to acquire Donato, that means you kind of trade sideways to go to Dubnik, or at least like not significantly get worse nor significantly get better. Maybe get a little worse, but it's not like this season we were going to be, that was the missing piece. And if that means we get a higher pick, but kind of still in the same range, like I'm all for it. Donato has been a fantastic pickup and he's young. He's yeah. here for the long term. Big, big, big Donato fan. I agree, but I guess to spin things in more positive direction for the remainder of the podcast, I mean, I think for one, because we just brought it up, I don't think goaltending is like killing us as much as it has maybe last season. I think you said Martin Jones seems to be getting a little bit better. Fantastic in the shootout this season. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I've already. Yeah. Like I said, I've already shared my thoughts on Dubnik. I think like he's better than probably what the, the stats would have allowed. I think there's probably more defensive and offensive woes that the team have had. We've talked about, we've touched a little bit on the special teams going in our favor, or not in our favor, I should say. Um, but I, before we like touch on that topic a little bit, which we can really get fired up about, but I will say I've seen some positive changes in the last three games. I think mm-hmm. it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, and I don't know where that's going to take us, maybe in another dip pretty pretty soon. But these last three games, I know they played – the Sharks are actually playing right now, I think, against Minnesota, which we're not watching. 
Um, but they played Anaheim last Monday and they played St. Louis twice in St. Louis. Um, Anaheim, they won, like they were able to maintain a lead and win in regulation. And then, uh, the second, that second game or the first game against St. Louis, like they gave up the lead with like what, 40 seconds left, but they played really well that game. And I thought, and then the, the last game, um, what was it uh, where they gave up three goal lead? It's like, okay, yeah, sure. Like that, the dynamic of the sharks give it, like there've been games in the past where the sharks have blown leads and I've been really upset at them. But this past game, I was like very upset at the officiating and how that went down. Like St. That, that first goal that St. Louis scored just like should not have happened. Like there was a clear trip. They had missed so many trips already in the series. And like that just shouldn't happen, and that like sparks their like <laughs> like sparks their momentum in coming back, and they just get a free goal when they should be the play should have died. Um, yeah, it's really that, frustrating that Ryan O'Reilly like able to kind of do whatever he wants gets open. Uh, it directly leads to Ferraro losing his equipment, and then they call it where he kind of like got off the ice fast enough. I don't get that. And then so Why? it's like that has a direct impact on that goal too. It's like sketchy why was... no calls in our favor no yeah, never sorry. why would we ever do that when we play the blues um i hate the blues because they exploit Dude, the worst part of the nhl which is player safety <laughs> yeah. and not really caring that much and they play this they're style. held to a different standard <laughs> well they play they play the style which the nhl unfortunately airs into which is more often than not letting dirty hits go or, you know, just dirty plays or not calling penalties when they should be there. And the blues play a style where they're more okay with that. And they enlist people to play like that case in point, David Perron, the worst and like Sunfist and just like go down the list of players who play on the edge or try to draw as many penalties as possible um, will dole out dirty hits. And uh, the NHL gets it wrong consistently, and everyone can see it across any game, not just the Sharks. And they know that it's really frustrating to see these officials call games just however they feel like it and changing every single day. And they need within games call it in random manners that only they understand. And the Blues, <laughs> yeah, the Blues have very smartly seen this and then said we're going to play in a way that emphasizes that because more often than not we're going to come out ahead. And and you know when it matters most, that advantage is uh, uh, bolstered even more in the playoffs. They literally call nothing. They don't call anything in the playoffs. And you know we saw it the other year like that, but good on the blues they won a cup they did a good job exploiting a vulnerability in the nhl unfortunately it's due it's uh, around player safety instead of like a system which uh you know like the penguins exploited how the game was played and they had that huge like dump over everyone's head and retrieve it against us in 2016 and we can handle yeah. that and they won a cup i'd rather have teams win that way but the blues do it that way you know what whatever I don't like them. I don't like officiating. It sucks. 
Yeah, it, but the officiating, like, the, it's weird because there is that inconsistency. It's like, what standard are you going off of between games, in games? Because you look at the Blues, and of course our sample size is limited because we're watching the Sharks, and we have our own bias in that way. But it's pretty – when we played the Blues recently, it's pretty easy to see, like, they were getting away with a ton of tripping calls, and then the Sharks get called for, like, every little thing. So – yeah. You know, it may totally not be intentional, but there's just like a ton of inconsistency. And it's yeah. it's something that I feel like I didn't see as often in the past. Yeah. Um, I mean, compare like what the what the NFL does. Like, even the NFL has tried to get better officiating, right? They have had some noticeable and noted huge, like missed plays, right? Like what was it, New Orleans in the playoffs a couple of years ago when the ref just literally made the wrong call? And then they were like, oh, sorry, my bad. And then they just, like, apologized. And that was that was it. They just, like, apologized. And they that was a huge egg on their face. And they tried to get better. They had the lockout with the officiating stuff. And, uh, you know, the NBA, it's just really interesting to see how other leagues are trying to get better officiating or at least, like, looking at their officiating. And the NHL is just like, la-da-da-da-da, this is great. Yeah, they've gotten measurably worse over yeah, the last decade. Like, like what the 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 helmet off rule? Um, cool is a great rule. If your helmet comes off, put it right back on or get off the ice right away because it's a safety mm-hmm. issue. And if you try to do anything else without it, you're gonna get called a penalty. Love the rule. Love the rule. So what happens to Ferraro? His helmet comes off. He looks for a second and sprints to the bench, and he gets called for a penalty. Okay, but he followed the, mm-hmm. the he followed the letter of the law and he wasn't doing anything for a little bit. He just literally saw and sprinted to the bench on a like a what was it a penalty kill or something like that in his defensive zone. It was like clearly a, the it was more of like why didn't you just pick up your helmet, right? Like look at where you are on the ice and now he's like I'm off and it's like you know what good for you. Yeah, he was you a little flustered, right? And then what does Tory Krug do? Tory Krug just like sits on top of Timo. His helmet gets ripped off, and then he wrestles oh, him for like five so minutes. Oh, that was so ridiculous. It wasn't five minutes, but it was like 10, <laughs> 10, 15 seconds. I don't know. Something like that. He's just on top of him, wrestling him with his helmet off, but not, they're not fighting. He's just literally like sitting on him and like shoving him around. And the ref is right there. And what did they do? Nothing. It's like, did you try to pick up your helmet? <laughs> so infuriating. No. Did you run to the bench? <laughs> so no. infuriating. Yet, were you penalized? No. And it's like, I don't (laughs) care that it's the Blues, and I don't care that it's the Sharks, but it ruins your entertainment product when it's a toss-up of what is happening. Like, goalie interference. You know what? Lord only knows what each call is going to be because it changes on the mood ring that the officials are wearing that day. Like, no one knows. The league office doesn't even know. It's such a mess, and it's just like, and at this point, I try to not focus on it, and it doesn't matter. It it's because when you start to focus on it, it gets so infuriating. And honestly, it's kind of nice that the Sharks suck right now because you know if the calls don't go their way in the game over the course of the season, it's not going to change our outcome that much, right? Like we're still very bad, right? Mm-hmm. But when your team is really good or like in the fight for a playoff spot or like in a playoff series and the calls don't go your way and everything is just 
excruciatingly focused on, that's when it's so frustrating when they're just so arbitrary and oh, we're going to put the whistles away for this game. Oh, well, he just got elbowed in the head. Maybe you should call that. Don't call it. And then the puck goes to the glass for delay of game. They're like, well, we have to call that one. It's like, <laughs> where's this coming from? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah, we've seen a lot of those lately too. With like the it hit, it hit like the. I think against Damn Anaheim, man. it like hit like after it went <laughs> got over the glass. It doesn't and matter. Then like, it's just so what's stupid. his name? Ferraro hit the camera, but yeah, it's just it's the the officiating is just an absolute joke. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. you brought up. I forgot about that Krug um, interference, and then yeah, per, there's one point that Perron like like clearly skated into uh dubnik after like a chance or oh, like, he literally just that's definitely been right called as him. he literally yeah. just like <laughs> definitely just been called as goaltender interference just before skated through him and then and then everyone was like what and then the, the ref's like yeah. well the puck's in the corner you should go get it it's like what he just ran through <laughs> the goalie like what's going on <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and then, then you can see because it's a game of inches. Yeah. It's so fast, and if the, oh the puck barely crossed the line, it still counts. You know, it's like it's like in the NFL, like he was reaching over the line to get the goal, but his knee was just in the ground, and that's out. And we're gonna call it out. We're gonna get it right. They're like, man, we don't care. It's like, you know, the NFL <laughs> tries to get it right. The NBA tries to get it right. All these other leagues try to do it right, and you know what? They mess up occasionally, but the NHL just like just doesn't care. They just don't care. <laughs> It's just like, well, it, it drives you crazy because it's like they don't cl- call these blatant things, and then you see like, oh, <laughs> the shaft of your <laughs> the, your stick was slightly internally rotated, and the shaft hit the other person's st- shaft, and you were like an inch behind the other player. So we have to call hooking, <laughs> like, in but that only case. because it's also Tuesday. If it was Friday, it's allowed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. It's and I disagree with what you're saying. Like I very much do care that it's the Sharks. I know you care. I have do care that it's St. Louis to, to save my emotional state. But I honestly it. like I haven't felt this way against like LA for a while. I haven't felt this way against Anaheim for a while. They've but I've definitely felt yeah they've been bad. But I've definitely felt this way against Vegas, and I've definitely felt this way against St. Louis. They're fresh wounds. They're fresh wounds. <laughs> That that and that is part of it too. Like yeah. that is part of why I really care. But it's there's also like documented. Like we're in the day of age where you can look back. You can literally like review this. Yeah. Well, what would they say? As what many times as you want and see the error. They would be like, "Well, Timo did a hand pass." It's like, yeah, <laughs> he did do a hand pass, and they should have called it. But also, About the hand pass. he was shoved to the ground in the back, and that's why he was on his knees. Did you miss that trip by Bowmeister before that? Oh, you did. The whole situation would have been resolved if they just would have called it right. The same thing with the Colorado series. Like, he was offside. Well, they called it offside. The Sharks didn't do anything. There was a five-minute major. It's oh, like, man, freaking, it's... he was on the ground bleeding. You got to call something. Like, <laughs> you can just, like, let that go and be like, yeah, this is fine. And then, like, next thing, the guy's getting stabbed. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy how, like, those, that year, the Sharks were, like, hounded for, like, those anomaly plays who which like all had like some justification besides the hand pass which was clearly like you know there was the illegal there was like the penalty that should that was not called right before it um 
but yeah, right. it just it just goes to speak to what we're talking about about the officiating being like yeah. ridiculous. You know what is improving though? What the Sharks' creativity in the offensive zone? Yes. No. I that. like I said, Ooh. the last three games, it's been much better, yeah. much better effort and intensity as well. I think. You know what was really frustrating to watch? The first few games of the season when they literally couldn't get anything except for the the wall and then four feet off of it and the entire perimeter. Oh, there was, dude, was so nothing. Bad. They could not get inside of it. That's all. why I drew you that picture, right? Yeah, he sent me a picture <laughs> and it was like a diagram made in Adobe Premiere or something. <laughs> you were so happy with it. And it was XD, a great diagram. I think, yeah. But very very rudimentary yeah but yeah it's like only filled in along like three feet along the mm-hmm. half walls and then the fangs around the net slightly but behind and people uh, probably won't know what fangs are but little pokes out yeah from behind yeah the but it was just really frustrating and uh watching them play like that and i you know what makes me feel better is because players like Sorensen are not getting ice time Stefan Nason is not getting significant ice time. Um, should Marlowe be out there? Guys, honestly, probably not. He's not good. He's not good. Um, no, I mean, I think he's been knocking at the door. He finally got a goal, but he's, he's had some good chances he's, here and there. He's, he's looked a step back. This better be his last season. Oh, yeah, he's 40. What, is he 40 or 41? He's 80. It doesn't matter. He's really old. <laughs> but Gotta yeah. break that record. Yeah, and it, you know what? It, it makes me feel good that even though Evander Kane can take 100 penalties a game and then not get benched or not get anything, and then Timo Bayer like, breathes wrong and then gets benched for a whole third period or whatever, it's so arbitrary, and I don't get it. And there's clearly something I, – I just don't get it why that is. Maybe he just says the vets know how to handle it. But, like, Evander Kane does have a penalty problem, right? But also, Evander Kane was on all four goals or however many goals we scored last night. And it's just really frustrating. He was so good yesterday. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's really good when he's on. Yeah. But when he's so not good. on, yeah. it's like, can you like, calm down? And, yeah. <laughs> can you just, like, yeah. be better on the penalties <laughs> and stuff? But so, so I see Bugner – like randomly having really short leashes with some players, even the young players over other ones. Like Gregor randomly has like a really short leash, but like Gambrell and Leonard have been given like all the time in the world. Balsers, he's like, he's getting not many shifts, but I understand that because he came in really late to come train camp and he's kind of just interjected with the team. I mean, he even had to like, I think he had to quarantine for a little bit too. So like that feels good. Like Nizov is getting a lot of, um, I mean, now that Carlson's out, he's getting more ice time and he's doing well. You know, they could just put out, you know, rando bodies like Jacob Middleton instead of Nizov. And Nizov has earned his spot and he's not randomly getting benched every mistake he gets. So it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a DeBoer acolyte, Mr. Bugner here. But um, he's definitely better in that respect. And I appreciate that a season where it just fundamentally had to be turned over more to the kids he is in a position where he has to with COVID and the taxi squad and all this stuff. So that makes me feel a bit better. Um, are these players all super good? No, no, they're not. But they have shown that they are at least capable of playing in the NHL. 
maybe they'll be a Sorensen and flame out and have a good season and, you know, stick around, have a good season and not really do anything and then just kind of disappear. But you know what? Were they NHL caliber players? Yes. And if a dra- if, a, if you draft someone, you're getting them for free and you're getting NHL games out of them. And that's a cheap roster spot that you can play for someone like Carlson, who ideally should be playing a lot better. But that has to be true of us a lot more now that we're paying Carlson this big money. You know, so I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I am emboldened and enheartened to see them play so well. You have Gregor. I love his speed. I like that there is this emphasis on uh, shooters. That's awesome. I love it. Um, and and it, it, even if we're going to lose the games, I can see them grow. And that makes me feel good. And Timo. Yeah, there's positive. There's positives. Yeah, there's definitely. positives. And players like Timo and the bank are in other, you know, they're in the next stage of their career. And will they be, they can play in the NHL, they can score. Are you going to be a consistent player or are you going to be a fringe guy who's like a power play specialist who kind of is a journeyman and gets passed around? Or are you going to accept that next challenge, take that next step and really, you know, Earn your earn your stripes and show that you're uh, a high end talent. Like, what is it? Timo Meyer's contract, like the way it's structured, his next deal is going to be like ten million or something like that, because his qualifying offer has to be in the tens or something. Um, he he played a ball game when negotiating with his contract, and we were able to keep him while we had some other players in the being tossed around for the cap stuff, but. Yeah, it's it's interesting that there are new challenges that we can see people rise to, and that's more fun than seeing. I don't know. There's less on the line, so if we lose, it's like ah, they were gonna lose. But when they win, it's like sweet. The young players also did well, and that's fun. Yeah, that's fun for me now. The, I mean, the t- given three seasons like this, yeah, maybe the- I'll feel differently. But <laughs> right now, it's cool. <laughs> no three th- three seasons would be rough, but. I mean, the, the team is definitely, you know, they're, they're at, they're kind of at the bottom, but they're, they're not out of that possibility of, of still, you know, competing for that fourth spot in the division. Not that I'm banking on that. Like I'm not banking on them winning a game or winning in regulation. Um, but I agree with you on a lot of those points about how you're seeing good things from the prospects. You're seeing them get more ice time and, what you were saying earlier when you started talking this last little bit, but uh, you know, they're getting more creative in the offensive zone. Like the system is working itself out a little bit. Do you see that this, you really liked what you saw when they were playing well against the blues these past mm-hmm. couple of games, like they were going for it in the offensive zone. Um, they were like taking quick, unexpected shots. Like you said, that creativity where it's not just like the, low to high, shoot it into like a defenseman and get it blocked and speed the rush the other way. Like it's been a lot the last year. Too. <laughs> um, so, and then you're, you're, you're able to see that skill set of some of those younger players that have like the good shots because, you know, they're just going for it. We saw that with Balsers. We've seen that with Leonard. Um, and uh, Donato is definitely the type of player that will just go for it and be like taking shots left and right. Um, I get a little bit frustrated with how like, you know, shooting from the hip he is sometimes because it can lead to some errors. But, you know, all in all, I'm happy that we have that opportunity to see, 
young players and new players worked it out like that. And I think I saw early in the season, the, the team was a bit listless. Like they weren't aggressive. They were really confined to the edges in the offensive mm-hmm. zone. But now, you know, they're getting a little bit more physical. The young players are more comfortable playing in that physicality with like, you know, playing with the men in the NHL. And they're, they're opening up space for themselves, like making them, making themselves a bit more unpredictable. Um, I think the Sharks have been a very, very, very predictable team. Oh my gosh! Uh, in the last two years, you're right. And so I think, so like, predictable. Yeah, and at least you have these this infusion of younger talent. Yeah, they're not like all exceptional, but they're they're a little bit unpredictable. And now that they're more comfortable and just going for it, like, it's it's a bit more exciting to see. I just hope that continues because it mm-hmm. honestly has been, like I said, that roller coaster. And this last three-game stretch has been pretty good, but there were two or three games before that that weren't so good. Um, so I, I just hope, you know, Bugner's maybe working things out as a coach, instilling the system in the players. The players are getting more comfortable that they can just, like, continue on a general positive trajectory. All being said, that the team is not very good and has those constraints, right, of just, like, not having talent that some of those other players and some of those other teams in the division have so yeah i think it's frustrating because most of our talent is focused on the defensive end and yeah we have some you know skilled forwards but like you have to have field 12 forwards so having big gaps in your forward core is is way worse it is is yeah we've got like what kane Hurdle, Couture, Meyer. Those are legit people. And then LeBanc is just forgotten because LeBanc. he's been so forgettable this season. In LeBanc. <laughs> but that's, you know, it's like what, five, six? And you need uh, six, seven more? So, yeah. you know, part of our team should be performing way better than they are. Our defense, our goalies, they should be better than they are given their pay, and they're not, and that's sad. Um, but the forward, the the forward talent is just not there, and uh, that's what we need to bolster. So it's great seeing that the forward talent is kind of picking it up. They need to get NHL consistent. And they need to score some points. Um, and if I'm going to pick yeah. anything to just get really frustrated about this whole season, instead of the refs or instead of not winning and we're losing, I'm going to focus on Kevin LeBanks' shot. Kevin LeBanks' release. So slow is maybe the worst in the league. It is, <laughs> mine is faster, and I'm not even joking. His is, and I'm not good. His is way more accurate. It's more powerful. He can pull, you know, toe drag and heel drag and push and all, everything you can think of. It just takes him a calendar year to get it off. He like schedules appointments for when he's going to shoot. And it just takes so long. And it's <laughs> yeah, just like, the, the goalie is have... able to literally build a brick wall. Yeah, he's like brick by, by brick. He he's like the putting the water up, already in position, just cementing himself. And then he's like looking around, like, "Oh, are you ready yet, LeBanc?" He's like, "Oh, still, still adding flex to my stick." It's so, it's so true. It's ridiculous. How slow it is. And then he just like, yeah, he just takes forever. He does not like, and you see, and then you like, so you have LeBanc on one extreme. And then who is like on the far end of the extreme of just not good release. Release is very long, not quick. And then you have, it's not, Austin Matthews is the other end of the extreme where it's the best release in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insane how good he is at shooting the puck. 
just pure shooting talent right up there with Ovechkin. Ovechkin's got his like one-timers, stuff like that. Austin Matthews has his snapshot. It's insane. I love snapshot, it. Yeah. It's crazy. Kachur and, and Hurdle, no, Kachur and Kane are uh, not in the league of Austin Matthews by like many standard deviations, but they're on the better side of the app, you know, the average bell curve, whatever. They have deceptive shots. They're good, especially Kachur. Because they get it off quick and they don't move their body very much and their stick is in position to shoot from the very beginning. So they just have to do a quick twitch and it's out and it's going. And they just, you know, get the rotation really good. They don't have to like bend back, press down, look at the eyes, and then follow through. And and you know what he does too? He rotates his hips in the air so that he gets his to get extra torque. He keeps his well, he LeBanc shoots right. So he gets his right leg down and then normally they like they push they yeah yeah they would drop their inside leg right so if you shoot right you would push with your left and then you'd kind of lean into your stick by letting go of your right leg so that you can bend further down like you dip your right knee if you shoot right you get more power get more flex in the stick it pops off your stick faster way more velocity what he does is he stays on his right foot, which is also fine. It's your off foot shot. It's good. But what he does is he like open, he like leans back, leans super onto the side. And then like his, his like left leg picks up and rotates in such a way that it's like, he's like a dog peeing on it, like a male dog peeing on a tree. <laughs> and he's like rotates it really high. And it's like every movement he has is so exaggerated. It's so exaggerated. And you know what? When it gets off, it's so fast. So fast. Accuracy, not the greatest, but, you know, that's Accuracy hard to score. Accuracy is not great. It's hard to score in the NHL. It's okay if you miss your shots. You know, he's, it's not – it's more noticeable because he takes so much longer that it, when it does make it all the way through, it's like, bro, you took so long and you still missed. But the rate of his misses, I actually looked <laughs> yeah. into last season because, like, this is crazy. And it was just my perception. He missed normally. Like he missed less than Timo did or something like that. But Timo had more goals. But just like every movement, his like his stick flexing, his his uh uh moving it into his shooting position, his shot release, his like body rotation, everything is so just like to the extreme. It, it's ridiculous. And yeah. so I'm gonna focus on no, that instead I, of losing, uh... and that's something I can control. I can control I how other Sharks fans. Yeah, I hope other Sharks fans notice how how slow and long winded his release is. Yeah, all the all the it's, all the players, uh, very long. The, the broadcasters are like, oh, look at his look at his awesome shot, and it's like, I think Brett Hedekin for the first time that I noticed a couple of games ago was like, you know, Kevin release has got to get the puck off his stick a little bit faster there, and I was like. Yes, Brett. Yes, create a story. Create a narrative. Get off of the Carlson train and go onto the bank shot train. <laughs> Join me. <laughs> but well, I remember when he was coming to the league, they would be like, you know, Kevin LeBanc will stay after practice and work on his shot, and like it's great. It's like, yeah, great. You've developed like a really hard shot, but like, can you work on making it like a little bit less fast and maybe a little quicker off your stick, like, yeah. like less power and the quicker, like quicker it's, release. It's, it's an equation of many inputs and speed is not the only, 
it's beating the goalie. You can beat the goalie by reducing the time it takes to get them and for them to be set up by having it come off your stick faster and then reaching the goal faster. Or it can be because your release is really fast and they don't have time to repair and they're not in the right angle, even if it's at the sacrifice of being a little bit slower. Or you can be someone like Austin Matthews where it's extremely fast, extremely quick, and extremely accurate and you're like a god mode shooter and that's great. But in the NHL, if the goalie's in a position, they're most likely going to save it every time. And yeah. so you, how do you shoot? How do you score goals? By deflections or getting it off quick, making something creative, you know, being deceptive. And he's just not not there yet. But he's young, so maybe he'll he'll get there. So I'm going to think about that. He's been in the NHL a few seasons instead now, of, yeah, yeah, but he's still young in, in years. So I'll focus yeah. on that. And uh, not get super okay. sad about the season going poorly. <laughs> and then maybe we'll end up with a lottery pick, and that'll be sweet. And then someone's coming off of our roster for the Seattle draft, and that'll be a new thing to think about. So. Yeah, it'll be uh, – I just uh, – yeah, I don't. I really don't know what the future holds with this team, but – It could go I just really hope this ugly. season they're, they're more enjoyable to watch. And I think they're trending that way. In the, but, you know, yeah. it's been three three or so games in a row where they haven't been – where they've been winning or in the fight and, like, looking good while doing it against, you know, not bad teams. Um, like, once we started playing the California teams, they – it was – that's when we started to stop getting shoved to the outside and never getting in. And maybe mm-hmm. that built, helped build their confidence, but since then it's oh, been more sure, fun. It's they're... been more fun to watch these games. They're way more – they're on yeah. the inside more. They're more creative. It helped playing against teams that were not as good, and it's so far carried into playing well against teams that are better. So there's yeah. there's I lights. Mean, St. Louis, they were right there with them. And I and I I know you didn't watch the Vegas game, but you know aside from yeah, having like a bunch of well. being on the penalty kill a bunch and giving up three power play goals, like they they were. It wasn't like past seasons where they were just getting dominated by Vegas. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I had a lot of fun uh, reviving the podcast with you. Yeah, uh, we're a year older now. Now we can get back in the swing of things a little bit. I know you have two two children now, so that's yeah. definitely a factor. But uh, maybe we'll come back in the next uh, few weeks or so to discuss how the season is. Maybe more than halfway through or so. Yeah, we'll discuss how Kevin LeBanks' shot has improved. Donato has ten goals. Leonard's got a hat trick. <laughs> it's going to be great. And Eric Carlson becomes who we hope him to be. <laughs> He'll give a full report on how his groin is officially healthy. <laughs> yeah, Sans groin injury. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's been fun. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll sign out, and then uh, hopefully we'll be back relatively soon for another Back to the Point episode. Yep. Thank you for listening. If anybody uh, has decided to give our po- podcast a, a second chance <laughs> now that it's back. There are listeners. There's a dozen. There's a few of them. <laughs> 40 listeners. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. We'll talk later. Bye. Go Sharks. Go Sharks.